Hey everybody, welcome back to Farmer's Jam Radio. It is one of the most exciting times of the year because it's fruit tree planting season. We recorded our first on-site interview at the beautiful Arabia Mountain with park ranger Robbie Astrove. Robbie is a fruit tree planter extraordinaire, and he's also a drummer with the Farmer's Jam Band. We headed up to Arabia Mountain to discuss the upcoming community orchard project and fruit tree sale, which is one of my favorite initiatives in Atlanta. There's a fruit tree sale coming up on February 19th that's been held for many, many years now. And when you purchase trees for your home or for your business to make your life a little bit more delicious, portions of those funds go to the Orchard Project, which actually gives away fruit trees to local organizations like churches and nonprofits. We chatted about the history of the fruit tree sale, Robbie's love for fruit trees and music surrounded by the beautiful scenery at Arabian mountain. Robbie's a great friend of ours, a great friend to local food and to the environment, so we're real excited to introduce you to Robbie Astrove. So here's our full interview with Robbie, and I'll catch you on the other side. All right, everybody, welcome back to Farmer's Jam Radio. I'm here with my good friend, Robbie Astrove, fruit tree planter extraordinaire, and also a drummer with the Farmer's Jam Band. This is an exciting moment for many reasons, but mainly because it's our first on-site podcast. We are taking a stroll around Arabia Mountain, so hopefully you will get to hear some of the birds chirping and the sounds of nature, and hopefully the, the sound of our walking isn't too distracting. But anyway, Robbie, thank you so much for hosting us today and joining us to talk about one of your favorite things in this world, fruit trees. Yes, welcome, James. Hello, everybody. So coming up here on February 19th, we have the annual fruit tree sale. Now, it's formerly known as the ALFI fruit tree sale. ALFI stands for the Atlanta Local Food Initiative. Um, and there's quite a bit of interesting history surrounding ALFI. Uh, it was really formed about 15 or so years ago to try to uh, bring some cohesion to all of the things that were going on within local food in Atlanta. It ended up leading to a few initiatives and policy changes made by the city of Atlanta, including some fresh food goals. Um, but now that there have been so many more organizations, a lot of those plans have been put into place. Alfie now resides with the Atlanta Regional Commission, but the Alfie fruit tree sale has now become the Community Orchard Project. So we're going to chat a little bit about how that came to be, because Robbie has been instrumental throughout this entire process, and talk about where it's at now. So Robbie, can you take us back to a fateful Alfie meeting where the first concept of the Orchard Project came to be? Yeah, and that was a really great introduction. The Alfie, the outset was kind of like our local food policy council. And we needed to have a fundraiser. And so one of the things that Alfie was um, charged to do was make, you know, improve Atlanta's local food community. And we thought it would be a really great idea to 
have a fruit tree sale as a fundraiser, but to also meet the mission to put more food in the community. And that sale was about 12 years ago. And I was in the back of the room and I just kind of put my hand up with a question. And I said, well, what, what would it look like if we actually gave these orchards away and created you know, community orchards? And that's when I was voluntold <laughs> to go do it. <laughs> what a great idea, Robbie, just make it happen. And so that very first year, we did one school orchard at Burgess Peterson Elementary in East Atlanta. And it's grown now in its 11th year, a hundred and something orchards later. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think particularly appropriate for the city of Atlanta being known as the city in the forest, that um, a fruit tree initiative, um, you know, has been so successful and, and so consistent. So just to, to kind of break it down, there has been a, a fruit tree sale every year uh, through a collaboration of different partners. It's currently uh, being managed by Foodwell Alliance, Concrete Jungle and Community Farmers Markets. Um, they have uh, they'll, they'll do some some classes and um, they really have a, a, a great operation running over there. And that, the so if you purchase trees through the fruit tree sale, which anyone can do, it's open to the public. Then part of the proceeds from your purchase will help fund the orchard project, which, as Robbie mentioned gives away trees to different organizations. So now let's flip it to the other side. Let's say you're a community organization. How do you get involved with the Orchard Project? And, and, and can you tell us about some of the other organizations or people or, or that, you know, that, that have received these free orchards? Yeah, you know, February has become my favorite month, not because it's the month of Arbor Day and tree planting, but it's because I get to go out into the community and meet so many great people, people that I've known about, always wanted to do work with, and then so many new players and partners and organizations that I've never heard of that are doing really, really great work. So the Orchard Project has taken me to six or seven metro Atlanta counties to engage with schools. Um, parks departments and other governmental organizations, uh, churches, um, just do-gooder community garden people, um, different nonprofits, people in food recovery. Um, there was a women's shelter that got fruit trees one year, and it's really great to see people, you know, taking on this vision of long-term sustainable food production. And uh, again, like you mentioned, really kind of fitting into the culture of Atlanta as the city in the forest. It, it feels right. It tastes right. <laughs> and you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's an exciting time. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you mentioned all the counties because I think that's an important distinction. You know, the Atlanta Regional Commission, I'm probably not going to get this right, but I think they operate within like a 12-county radius, something like that. Um, so it is definitely the metro uh, Atlanta when you talk about the Atlanta region. Um, so it definitely is beyond uh, the city of Atlanta. Um, now, I know that you and I have tried to do this before. At least at some point we had a, a, a count of how many trees that were planted. Do you have any idea what the count is now up to? Oh, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's got to be in the thousands, right? Probably. You know, and this Alfie Orchard Project, the Community Orchard Project, is just one file sure. of many things that I participate on. It definitely represents the biggest body of work uh, for me. You know, again, 10 years, 11 years of planting and, you know, this year we're doing 17 orchards. Wow. And, you know, and, previous, and then we started with one. Uh, but we've been doing at least 
10 to 15 strong for the last six to seven years. And let's just say each of them, keep the numbers clean, you know, 10 to 12 trees per orchard. Yeah. So that's easily... So a base of about 150 a year. Yeah. For at least 10 years. For at least 10 years. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, And so, you know, it takes about three, four years for a lot of those trees to reach maturity. So over half of them are fully mature and, and producing regularly. Is that safe to say? Yeah, we and I know that because folks contact me years later and said, Robbie, remember that little pawpaw that we planted? I'm like, yeah, that little stick. <laughs> well, now it's 12 feet tall and we had our first fruit and we got to share it with people that never tasted it before. And that's, that's that makes my day. Yes. And so I, I've, and, and that, you know, I've been to a couple of the orchard project plantings and I think that that moment right there, that excitement of getting the trees, like how fulfilling is that part? When people get the trees? Yeah. Like when you're there and you're coming out and doing the plantings and people are like, oh, where should we plant them? And, you know, what's this going to be? Like there's, it feels like there's this sort of like yeah. thrill, like you, you know, you. So, yeah. You know, one of the things I've realized too is my, my favorite part of the project, yes, it's traveling to all these places, but it's actually making the phone call to you to make them aware that they won. Mm. And it's like they won the lottery. <laughs> you know, I, I get to make, t- this year I made, you know, like about 11 phone calls uh, to say, guess what? Remember that application? Like, we're, we're, you're accepted. And, you know, people scream on the phone <laughs> uh, at work. And uh, that's just like a very exciting moment. And then, you know, the next step is to come out to the sites and do a site visit. And I put the stakes in the ground and I kind of, my, my little joke in line is, I said, you know, it's my, my, it's my magic trick that once we come out and we measure and we, you know, we make sure the tree's in the appropriate place and the appropriate place for the site, it's like, poof, that wooden stake turns into a tree. <laughs> yeah. And then I show up in a few more weeks uh, with, you know, the trees and we do a community-wide tree planting and everyone gets to plant it together. Right, which is which is really important because the more people you know have that investment and stake in the actual planting, the more they are going to be more likely to take care of it in the in the coming years. Because people may not realize, again, you it's going to take a while to get the fruit, and if you don't put in the care and maintenance in those first three five years, you might not get it. Absolutely, you know whether we're talking about fruit trees or gardening, you know this is a hands-on kind of thing but you know before I even plant, planted uh, fruit trees you know I've been an environmental educator for almost 20 years and you know this is very much on brand with what I do how I learned and how I teach but it's all part of experiential education and when we learn best by doing so sure it is about community food access but it's really about teaching someone a life skill that they can do over and over and over again and I'm always amazed by after I do the tree planting demo and share all the tips, tools, and techniques and little secrets, people, well, they either say, I've been doing it all wrong and I can't believe it. Or they, what they really say is, wow, I had, I had no idea so much thought and detail gets put into a fruit tree planting. People think it's just, you know, dig a hole and put the tree in. And I was going to say, that's your, if you've been to a planting with Robbie, you'll know that that's the, the little joke he likes to pull out at the beginning. Like, hey, you know, guys know how to plant a tree, right? Just dig a hole and put it in. And everyone's like, yeah. And he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's something that I take a lot of pride in is, you know, we're going to do it together. We're going to teach and learn together. And then hopefully 
they'll call me back to eat the fruit together. Yeah. <laughs> so, as you mentioned, you've been an environmental educator for 20 years. Um, do you do you recall a, a sort of specific moment where you were like, you know what? Out of everything that there is to do for the environment, fruit trees are just my calling. Well, I would start by saying that trees have been my calling for a long time. I, I, I lived out in the Pacific Northwest in the early 2000s where I did gra- my graduate work, and that's the land of the biggest trees in our country. Yeah. Uh, redwoods, Douglas firs, Sitka spruce. It's the biggest biggest things I've ever seen in my life. And uh, when I returned to the South and came to Atlanta, I started working at Trees Atlanta, and that was a great job planting native canopy trees. But as I was in uh, the arborist tree world, just the environmental community, as you will, I started noticing what was happening in the food world, the good food movement and farms and gardens. And, you know, Atlanta has a lot to show for itself when it comes to that. And this is back in 2007 now. And I'm thinking, I'm a I'm a tree planter and shade maker, but all these garden folks I see, they're sun seekers. Mm. And it was kind of a conflict. Hmm. You know, by planting all these large canopy trees, I'm essentially capturing the sun that would be used to grow veggies. But I wanted to be a part of the food movement. And I just woke up one day with this aha moment to like, you know what? I think the answer is to plant fruit trees. And then in 2007, 2008, looking around, there wasn't a champion in Atlanta yet, and I decided to uh, step up to it. Nice. And man, that's so 15 years ago, basically. And yeah, you've planted at least 1,500 trees just through the Orchard Project since then. That's pretty amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's great. And, you know, I don't have any human children, but every time I get in a car... It, doesn't matter what neighborhood in Atlanta, like usually I can find a tree that I've planted or that I've planted with other folks. And it's, it triggers a memory of the, the day and the weather and, and most importantly, who I was with. Mm. Because, uh, you know, now we're creating a shared experience. It's a story um, that we can tell over and over again. Or do you remember that time that we planted that? Yeah. And that becomes like this beautiful shared experience for me and like so many other people. Well, and I, I'm, I'm thinking too, I mean, last year you took that to a new level by uh, creating the first Serviceberry Festival in Atlanta, in which you got to share the harvest of the serviceberries that exist around Atlanta, many of which you've planted, um, and share those with, with dozens or, you know, lots of people at, at CFM. Um, what, can you just tell uh, everyone real quick who may not be familiar with the serviceberry, uh, just a little bit more about that tree and then just kind of how Serviceberry Fest came to be and how much fun it was? Sure. So, uh, you know, every arborist has their favorite tree. <laughs> and when I moved to Atlanta, um, and started working at Trees Atlanta, I was exposed to not just the things that can grow here, but the things that have grown here long before people and really got great appreciation for our, our native species. And at Trees Atlanta, I was introduced to the serviceberry tree. It's a small native tree, understory. It flowers in the spring. It has a beautiful, delicious fruit that could be eaten in uh, the summer. Gorgeous fall color. Uh, wildlife really go for it. Um, it's just a, it's a beautiful tree and the fruits are 
very high in antioxidants. Um, they taste very sweet, kind of like a blueberry. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all the things. Um, and nobody knows about them. Yeah. And um, I planted many service berry trees at Trees Atlanta. And this is going to sound crazy, y'all, but when I was planting all these fruit trees, I never thought of myself as a harvester, per se. I just planted them knowing that someone would eat it and didn't or if, have to if not be someone, it could be the birds. Yeah, 100% for everyone. And um, fast forward, to, you know, I, I kind of have been a, a forager for uh, restaurants and chefs. And during the pandemic, it just didn't really feel right to be involved in sales. And, you know, we're talking about an industry that was brought to their knees. Yeah. And there was all this fruit that was just going to kind of fall and go to waste. So I decided to harvest a couple hundred pounds and essentially give it out to friends, chefs, mixologists, anyone that I could find who would be interested in using like really local, locally sourced fruit and created a festival around it to celebrate all things service berry, to celebrate community. And then the proceeds of the festival um, went on to create a service berry orchard planting, which will take place this spring. It's kind of like a pay it forward. Yeah. And uh, it happened last June. It's going to happen this June again. And it was just a great community celebration. You know, it happened kind of smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. Fortunately, it wasn't during one of the variant spikes. Right. And and for me, it was... And it was all outdoors. Which it was, was all outdoors. Helpful. Yeah. And, and for me, and I think I heard from many others, it was kind of like their first time to like really just go out yes. and try and do something in the community. And, you know, we all took so many precautions and, and did it safely. But it was such a great joy to have that moment to see friends and strangers just interacting, tasting service berry, buying service berry trees. Um, we had music and a DJ. It was at the East Atlanta Farmer's Market already. Just a vibrant day in itself. And uh, we're going to do it again. Yes, definitely be uh, be on the lookout for Service Ferry Fest 22. Uh, we'll probably be again sometime in June. Um, one thing I just wanted to note, too, is I happen to uh, be with you for a brief moment on your harvest. And that's where I learned, A, how difficult it is to harvest service berries. But B, you have a really short window to do so because the birds will absolutely tear up a service berry tree. Not, not, not in a, no, sorry, they're not going to destroy the tree, but they will eat every last berry that they possibly can. Which is fine. <laughs> but if... Unless yeah. you have a festival coming up. Unless you have a festival coming up. <laughs> Correct. You know, and... You know, when you're really in tune with your local food, you you get to pay attention to so many other things, the, the subtle changes of temperature, the seasons, how wildlife reacts, and um, things like serviceberry, pawpaw, even muscadines, the, the time that you have to harvest them is, is very short, and some of these fruits have a very short uh, shelf life in addition, so, you know, it, uh, you're it's right now. It's it's now or never. Do or die. Yeah. And um, it just really puts you in touch with the clock that the world follows, not this calendar that was made up by us. Right. We just actually passed the Lunar New Year, which is like the real New Year's. Yeah. <laughs> not the January one that we made up. 
And so by paying attention, the, the term is called phonology, which describes the timing of nature, when things flower, when things fruit, when bugs come and to arrive and pollinate. And it's this beautiful choreographed movement of, of, of nature. And so I'm always paying attention and um, observing what's happening. Uh, and, it, and there's payoff because you're there to harvest this fruit just at the right time. Um, to get the most amount of nutrients, um, the sweetest f- texture and flavor. And um, it's just a great joy. It is. And I, so two things come to mind um, when you're in that story. The first is, you know, something I, I try to impart upon people is that when you're eating locally, you're also eating seasonally. And that really means that you're getting the nutrients you need when you need them. My favorite example of that is in a lot of times in the winter, or most of the things that are available, they look like the sun. You've got carrots or you've got like winter squash or lemons, citrus. They've been absorbing all of that vitamin D, storing it in the plant, and now it's available to you to eat. I think it's also symbolic that during the time where a lot of the green leaves are are on the ground, that's when you can really get the best kale and collards and and other types of greens. And there really is a, a balance there. And you know, if you are eating at the time when you need it, you're getting the nutrients that you need. And on the other hand, this is a very shameless plug, but this is partly why we make jam. Because, you know, I still have one or two random mixed berry jars from Farmer's Jam and there's service berry in them. And there's absolutely no other way you're going to get service berry in January or even September unless you preserve it into something, unless you'd make it a tincture or a jam or, or a cobbler or, or something like that. And so I think that, to me, why I, you know, really got pulled into jam is, is just as is a, an extension of the short story you just shared, which is the beauty of being able to harvest something in, in that specific moment and know that you got it, right? And we see it all the time, like, oh, I was the first one to get the new shoes, right? And like, so we, we're still connected to that. It's just that we've perhaps lost that connection to nature. But then to continue along that through preservation, that's how you can like maintain that sense of joy at any time because you've taken the time and effort to not only harvest it, but now you've taken the time to preserve it. Yeah, you know, love is best served freshest. Yeah. But if there was a way to preserve love, yeah. that's also magical. Right. And you've done that with the jam. I mean, anytime you can harvest love and add some sugar to it, I feel like you're, <laughs> you're really nailing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, I, you know, I feel like this is a, an amazing place to, to leave the conversation. The only other thing that I did want to acknowledge, which is something I briefly mentioned at the beginning, was that you're also an amazing drummer. Uh, you've been drumming, you know, with the Farmer's Jam Band for a while, pretty much, or from the beginning, from the first show we did in Little Five Points. Now, as you should know, the Farmer's Jam Band is, I, I still don't think we've ever done the same set twice with the same amount of people. Uh, so it's always a rotating group of people. But how long have you been playing the drums? And um, I'm wondering if, you know, there's sort of a, any sort of parallels between your, your love for nature and for trees and, and also for, for drumming. Because in a way, you know, they're both about being creative and they're both also about continuing down a long line of people who have done this. Yeah, that's a great question. So, yeah, I've uh, been drumming since 
I was been 13. Oh, wow. And I, I still have my, my first drum set. It's a 1966 Slingerland. It's a little jazz kit. And, um, you know, I've thought long and hard about the parallels and the connections between my love of music and my career and the environment. And, you know, it kind of comes back to this this love of jazz. I'm a, I consider myself a jazz musician, a jazz aficionado. It's, it's really the music that I listen to day in and day out you can um come over to my house there's there's always something playing but it, it's it's always got to be jazzy and, I, and and the thing the reason i'm attracted to that is this idea of the improvisation mm, yeah and and when i look out into this landscape that's in front of us this is a completely improv you know this was made on you know on the spot and Things changed, a cloud formed, and rain came down, and maybe it was a sunny day, and then a bird came in and dropped a seed, and it created something new. And, you know, when when you're a drummer, a, a lot of people put emphasis on how you play, but I would say it's it's your ability to listen mm. and react and, and play a supportive role. And, and that's what I see happening in nature is this kind of community ecosystem of of things working together uh, in different partnerships and there's different relationships um, you know that we could talk about but yeah it's you know playing in a band is this great thing and you know you form a community there yeah but yeah it just kind of comes back to jazz I'm a little lost for words it's, it's, it's kind of hard to describe sure. I guess but yeah it's it's this idea of, of freedom um, that I see happening in nature that I could internalize and, and be free to create, you know, my own music and the music that just really like speaks to my soul. Love it. All right, Robbie. Well, thank you uh, so much for your time and, and sharing us uh, with us, your, your passion for fruit trees and for music. Uh, again, Alfie fruit tree sale. Uh, <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> the fruit tree sale supporting the community orchard project <laughs> is coming up here on February 19th. Uh, you can, uh, you can buy trees through them, which will support, uh, orchard giveaways to local organizations who, who really appreciate it. And, um, you know, be on the lookout for serviceberry fest coming up this, uh, summer. I'm sure we'll, chat again before then and, and kind of delve into what kind of chefs might be participating and maybe whether there's a particular band of funky farmers going to perform. Um, but yeah, really appreciated, always appreciate coming out here to uh, Arabia and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks so much, James. everybody hope you enjoyed meeting our good friend Robbie Astrove once again you can pick up fruit trees from the fruit tree sale on February 19th you know we'd love it if you did help support our friend Robbie and the Orchard Project and make Atlanta a little bit more fruitier Farmers Jam Radio is created by Longleaf Media hosted and produced by myself and the one and only Cam Christian with music by Nomad. You can get connected with the whole world of Farmers Jam at www.thefarmersjam.com. Sign up for our newsletter, learn about our flavors of jam, and find out when our events are coming up. That's it for today. We'll catch you soon. Thank you for tuning in.